I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Jody. Nice to be here. It's so lovely to have you. Jacqueline Wills is an astute observer of behavior and is endlessly fascinated by the messiness of being human and finds people who are vulnerable and honest about their struggles incredibly interesting and courageous. She's explored human behavior and asked tough questions to discover hard truths for more than 35 years. Her focus is with individuals and groups in person and virtually to develop fearless leaders, leaders who dig into self-discovery, take accountability for their actions and responsibility for their decisions. Leaders ready to be challenged and do the work for the sake of their careers and lives. Jacqueline's helps clients stay curious, push boundaries and bust through excuses to achieve results. They describe her as outgoing, candid, empathetic and down to earth an insightful guide who genuinely cares about wanting to help. She also has heard the term all around badass, someone who inspires clients to jump in and take more risks. Wow, that, that's fabulous. <laughs> that is great, Jacqueline. I love, I love the badass part of that because I have a fault that, you know, it's like, <laughs> Need your butt kicked. I'm the one to do it for you. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's great. And I have a feeling that uh, some of that attitude helps you to be fearless. So I want to um, start. You know, you have written a book called The Fearless Factor, which really folds into your life. I want you to tell me a little bit about that. And then I want to talk a little bit about your journey. What, what is the fearless factor? So the fearless factor is, is really about helping people to understand how to move beyond the things that incapacitate them, the self-doubt, the lack of confidence, the inability to express yourself completely, uh, the ability to speak up, all of the things that specifically for women are what impacts their, their life in a significant way. So I like to say being fearless is not the absence of fear, but it's the courage to take the next step. And where do most people fall down? If they don't take the next step. When people come and tell me that they're feeling stuck, it's like, well, what kind of mud are you standing in? You know, <laughs> right. because that's really about how do you take the next step? and the courage to take that next step because you can't have fear without courage. And, and they, they go hand in hand with each other. And everybody's got fears of some nature or another. But I also like to say fear for the most part is imagination-based. It's we make yeah. up stories to address the uncertainty that might be existing in our world. I like that definition. And you know, stuckness can be so frustrating for so many people. And, and um, what I'm hearing is that 
many of it is perhaps their perception of what's going around, what, what's keeping them blocked. Um, can you tell me a little more of that, about yeah. the perceptions? I mean, we, we, you know, fear is an emotion. Let's, let's clear that one right out front. Fear is an emotion, and it's, it's frequently predicated on behavior that happened in the past, could very well happen in the future without any real evidence. And I always like to say, challenge your fears by asking yourself, is it true? Do you have empirical evidence? If you don't, then it's the stories that, that you make up. So when I'm looking at the fears that people have, fundamentally for a lot of people is I am not good enough. So when you think about people who are perfectionists, for instance, these are people who are busy trying to prove how good they are. And they set really high standards for themselves so that, and also for others. And it's a hard mark to, to keep going, frankly. It creates a lot of stress and they work long hours, nothing's ever good enough, blah, blah, blah. And at core, what I've discovered is that sense of I'm not good enough. So I have to constantly be pushing myself for, for more. Right, and um, again, um, also for more, adoration from others, more uh, positive words. It, it really ties into a, a very people-pleasing model. And it's a catch-22. Um, the more energy you put out, um, the more you want to please, the more unhappy you are. So tell me, um, I, I'm interested in maybe two or three things um, about your life and how you pushed yourself beyond the fear factor, because looking at um, some information on your website is really fascinating. I'm going to read three bullet points, and then you get to choose any of those or something different that allowed you to take risks. Um, Jacqueline was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, and has lived all over the globe. She holds a black belt in karate and loves CrossFit, and she served as a cantor in Paris and Amsterdam for five years. That's just a little background at the tip of the iceberg stuff, but um, I know there's much more. Tell me how, for example, one challenging situation that you had to overcome and how you did that. So let's take being a cantor in Paris and Amsterdam for five years. That story is, is always an interesting one to tell. The rabbi came to me because I had been trained as a professional singer, mm -hmm. but I had never actually really used it as a, a, in a professional way. Mm -hmm. and, and a cantor, just, just a moment, is, um, is a person in a synagogue of the Jewish faith who performs all, all the music and singing. It's, it's really a very high honor and a specialized role. Okay, I'm gonna go back to you. And you're absolutely correct about that. That's the person who sings all the prayers, essentially. And it is a high honor. And so when he came to me and said, we need a cantor for the high holidays, a very small synagogue, Franco-American in, in Paris. I said, what do I know about Jewish liturgy? And he said, well, you can learn. And I was like, okay. So I took on the challenge, but I was very fearful of what I could do with this because I didn't speak Hebrew, I didn't read Hebrew, and I didn't read music. So anything that I was going to learn had to be listened to, and I had to 
remember and, and really do this. Unfortunately, I've got very good ears, so that was helpful. But I ended up sleeping, breathing, eating for three months, Jewish liturgical mm. music and practicing on a daily level. And on the first night that I arrived to deliver this, I was absolutely beside myself and with fear because I knew that this was a big deal and I did not want to disappoint. And I had rehearsed, I had practiced beyond, beyond to make sure that I was no perfect. And when I showed up, I had a little MP3 player and an earbud. And the MP3 player had on it, because I'd gone to my voice teacher and I said, you've got to put this in my key because I had so many different melodies that mm. I was to remember so you're not just doing one or two things you know you've got hours of, of singing to do so he had put everything in my key on on the mp3 player and as i got up to deliver the prayers i was listening to the music in the background because everything was done a cappella. there oh, was yes. nothing to hide the mistakes <laughs> oh my and hebrew is not an easy language to learn as well. It wasn't that I needed to learn the Hebrew, but I had to know how to read the transliteration of the Hebrew, which frequently you find in, in prayer books. And uh, I had to be able to pronounce the, the Hebrew words correctly. So there's a sound to, to some <laughs> of the words that get used. So there was a whole bunch of stuff here that was challenging me to really bring my best to the game. And uh, so a couple of times on that first night, I would forget the earbud was in my ear and the MP3 player was lying on the, the podium and I would step away and the whole thing would fall to the floor. Um, I did kind of pick it up and get on with it. So th this was a fearless piece for me. This was really about how do you address the discomfort, the uncertainty mm -hmm. about how can I do this? Am I capable of doing this? And I, I said at the time, if it goes from my mouth to God's ears to their hearts, I've done my mm. job. And that mm. was all I said, from my mouth mm. to God's ears to their hearts. And uh, it turned out it went to their hearts. So oh. I was at it for five years. And it was some of the most profound music I ever had the opportunity mm. to sing. It is beautiful music. And I love what I'm hearing there is... First of all, you, you put the time in and you put the work in and you somehow were able to move through uh, potentially um, frightening and you know, freezing up situation. And second of all, there was something higher, something outside yourself than just delivering this music. It was an intention that you set and it, it, it does sound like a, a very spiritual goal. Uh, tell me a little more about that. I mean, about how you moved yourself to practice and to show up and where that goal came from. I've always been a hard worker. Um, I grew up in a working class family. So both my parents were out there. We grew up in poverty for the first part of my life. And uh, there was also a tremendous amount of, of emotional uh, abuse, shall we say, as well as violence in, in my family, mostly out of their own frustration, disappointment, anger, whatever the case may be. But uh, that was a big piece for me. So hard work has never been something I've shied away from. 
And I've always believed that whatever you want in life, you've got to work for it. And again, that was part of the values that was instilled in me at a, a very early age. You, you don't get anything for nothing. And uh, that's a, a positive and a negative, frankly, because mm. you know the, the negative can be that if you truly believe you don't get anything for nothing, then you don't allow things to come to you easily either. Mm. So you know there was always taking the harder route, always taking the, the, the long road to do things. So, you know, I've taken tremendous risks in my life. I left home when I was 16. I moved to London from Edinburgh, Scotland. And um, I didn't have any money, didn't have a job, didn't have anywhere to stay. And I repeated that pattern about maybe 17 years later when I moved to San Francisco. Uh, and I had moved here without any proper visa. I had no way of getting a job, but I found a job anyway. I didn't know anybody and I didn't have anywhere to live. And, and so I had to recreate that. And there's been a theme throughout my life of recreating or redefining. Um, and that, that has really been a big piece of that fearless piece in me that mm -hmm. from a spiritual point of view, it was the understanding that if I didn't show up and do what I needed to do, I would kill myself. Mm. And I, I don't say that lightly. It was either destroy yourself or do the hard work of making change. And uh, I made a lot, a lot of mistakes in the early part of my life um, with children and otherwise. Long story. It's all in my books, The Fearless Factor and The Fearless Factor at Work. But it was a journey. And that's why the fearless piece is so important for me, especially for women, to help them understand that they do have a choice in this. Mm -hmm. It can change things up, but you have to do the work. You know, they say in AA, it works if you work it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the approach I take. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it certainly sounds like, you know, you, you have experience um, and, and it is a theme. So you're comfortable with fearlessness. Um, I know that at some of my coaching clients, when I meet with them, it, it's about, you know, they, they aren't comfortable with risk and, and it does, it is a journey, but what would you tell our listeners about, um, you know, taking the next step, just taking a potentially risky step? We know hard work is there, but emotionally, what has to happen? So there, there is a piece that, you know, one has to think about in terms of, you know, taking the next step, as I, I like to say, being fearless is the courage to take the next step. It doesn't have to be a big step. Most people think they gotta go and do a huge leap forward. No, it can be a couple of inches, in fact. You know, change one aspect of your behavior that will take you a couple of inches further forward. People will say to me regularly, how do I get to have more confidence? And I say, because you take one step at a time and sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. But as long as you're making some kind of increase in whatever it is that you're doing, one day you wake up and you go, I don't do that anymore. Oh, great. Excellent. You see, you did it without even noticing that you were doing it because so many times we get hung up on, I want to see the results tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's the reason why people don't take the next step because 
there's no guarantee that tomorrow you're going to get the results you're looking for. So you have to play the long game. And I'm very much a believer in the long game. There's no, you know, I talk about my programs as an accelerated change program. And, and it is because I've crammed a lot into it with my coaching, with group facilitation, with, with really great self-reflective content that really allows people to do the work and dive in. And in a short period of time, there are breakthroughs that occur, but only if you do the work. Mm -hmm. and when people hang around in this you know i need to change and then they don't change um well why not because you're still repeating the same behaviors that you were doing you know last month last year whatever the case may be so you mentioned earlier that you know i'm known as a badass and i'm also known as you know an ass kicker frankly <laughs> um but the reason for that is I don't want you to hang around in this stuff. You know, I hung around in it for years and it, it lost me opportunities. It created barriers in my life that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I agree with you. It, um, it is a process. It, it takes time to change your behavior, um, and, you know, as long as you're moving forward and back, it, it is ideal because we learn, frankly, from our failures. It gives us information. It sets up opportunities for us to make choices. And um, it, it's vital data for us to do that. Now, we keep going back to behaviors and, um, and thinking. So, what would you uh, suggest how people can focus, what they can focus on to change their behavior or their thinking? Well, you start with your thinking. The thinking is what drives the behavior, as we know. So I often ask, you know, what's the negative voice in your head? Where's the critical self? We've all got critical selves and the messages that that critical self delivers is you're not smart enough, you're, you're, you're not capable, um, you're, you're not good looking enough, you're not young enough, you know, you name it, there's, there's not enough piece is always part of that inner dialogue. So next time you hear that specific voice, I want the listeners to think about who's doing the talking because frequently the person in your head that's doing the talking is not you. It was an idea that was planted probably decades ago and it became part of your identification, if you like. So mm -hmm. for instance, my father told me for years I would never amount to anything. Well, guess what we do? We look for that confirmation bias that says, yeah, you really are a useless piece of whatever, you know, and you're really not capable. And so pushing past these barriers that are self-inflicted, and again, to do with negative self-talk, catch yourself in the act of it. And if you can't catch yourself in the act of it and you're in it before you even realize you're in it, cut yourself some slack and develop self-compassion because we would never speak to our best friend the way that we speak to ourselves. So become <laughs> your own best friend. That's what I would say. Exactly. You know, that that is very true in that uh, we're much harsher and critical of ourselves than we are of others because those voices and what we have been told are so deeply rooted in 
in our lives and we just move through it without any self-awareness and we just keep doing the same thing over and over again without any positive results. Um, I, I love what I'm hearing. It's so true. So I'm going to go back to self-awareness, which is in many ways, the first step of catching your thinking. Do you have any tips or, or tricks um, for the listeners so they can catch themselves before they go too far down the road in their negative thinking? So self-awareness starts with a lot of self-reflection, you know, getting to know yourself. I mean, what is it? Self-awareness, getting to know yourself, okay? People don't take the time for getting to know yourself. People are too busy dealing with the day-to-day -day stuff that, that comes up. And, you know, I've had executives I've worked with and I say, you know, how much time do you spend in self-reflection? And they go, I don't have time for self-reflection. Okay, so how do you expect to grow if you're not gonna self-reflect on why you do what you do and what, what about that matters? And that's a key question for, for everything that I do is, you know, Simon Sinek talks about your why, finding your why. I'm more interested in what about that matters? Because whatever our, our behavior or our thinking is, is driving, you wanna get down to what is the real purpose of this? So, for instance, if you are a harsh critic of yourself, well, how well is that working for you? Clearly not. It's keeping you stuck or it's keeping you playing small or it's just generally making your life miserable simply because you don't understand how to get out of it. Well, if you think that's a pattern for you, then start paying attention to when that pattern shows up and start looking at what are the circumstances that trigger this in me. So it might be that you're not very good at taking criticism, for instance. Somebody criticizes you and you immediately go into, oh, it's something I did wrong, or it's I'm not a capable person or whatever the case may be. And I have been there and done that. I know what it feels like when I'm criticized and you get that fear in your stomach because somebody is judging you and maybe their judgment is right. Maybe you are a useless whatever, you know, because that's the inner dialogue that's going on. So pay attention to when that shows up and what are the circumstances that trigger it. That's your first point of entry for developing your self-awareness. Great. I love what I hear. I'm hearing, especially with the uh, the looking at what you're doing and asking, is it serving you? How is it serving you to have that belief or to have that behavior? And that will at least open up the doors into self-reflection. Um, I sometimes go with, I feel lighter or heavier. And if it's lighter, it's positive. But if it's heavy, um, you need to start digging into why. So uh, that's a great point. Through the conversation, um, I keep hearing, you know, the people who are clients and saying, I'm just not good enough. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm going to believe what this person says. Yes, they could probably have a stronger boundary with that person, but maybe they're just 
and they haven't exercised that muscle yet. Um, I'd love to know how you work with clients and making them feel that they are good enough and building their self-confidence to move forward. So you mentioned something earlier that I hear a lot of, and I'm sure you do too, where I will ask, what's your greatest fear? And the word that comes back nine times out of 10 is failure. I'm afraid of failure. So if you're afraid of failure, you're not going to take the next step because you might prove yourself right that, you know, whatever it is. But as you said earlier, failure is a learning process. We learn from our failures. And I like to say we're all failing our way to success because <laughs> failure and success are two sides of the same coin. And we frequently hear from people who are almost as afraid of success as they are of failure, because that means that life will change. But here's my point on failure. Failure is simply an expectation, a decision, a choice that did not go the way that you had planned. Once you recognize that that's all it is, then you have a choice to move forward. And I like to say, if you're faced with a mistake or a failure, there's only one word to apply, and that is next. What's next? Because if you add up your success column and your failure column, I guarantee your success column is much longer than your failure column. But let's say your failure column is actually longer than your success column. So where do you keep sabotaging yourself? What is it that, that keeps popping up and getting in the way? And I was great at sabotaging myself, usually through some kind of abusive behavior. Um, but I had to figure out how to get to the other side of that uh, over time. I went into AA for five years thinking that I had a drinking problem. It turned out it wasn't a drinking problem, it was a thinking problem. And, uh, you know, afterwards, of course, realized that I can drink moderately. It's not a problem. But most of all, it was about how do you understand your stinking thinking, as they call it in AA. And I think that's what I challenge my clients on is, you know, look at your stinking thinking. And to your question, which is, you know, how do you support clients to get beyond the I'm not good enough, is let's highlight what you've done well in your life. I like that. So um, showing hard evidence, and I like the column idea, that you have had a number of wonderful successes. And along with life, you also have some failures that have perhaps springboarded you into other successes, other positive choices for your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all point to failures in our life that opened our eyes to something. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we had a choice there, which direction do you want to go? And uh, that's always the piece of that. It's, it's the fork in the road. It's the old Robert Frost poem, you know, mm -hmm. the two, two paths in, in the woods and which one did I take? Exactly. I'm taking the wrong one when I was younger, but I found the right ones eventually with the right kind of guidance, because I think that's the thing about coaching. Coaching, if they're really good, gives you the guidance necessary to help open up that different path and, and move you forward in the direction that you want to go. And 
I start with my program, the Fearless Change program with self-awareness. We're going to look at your limiting beliefs and we're going to look at and really dive into what is it that you think is going on and then how do you, you change that up? Great. And that sounds like um, that gives them the base um, to move forward, because if they're always going to have those limiting beliefs, then um, not much is going to change. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's great. I love the way you start with that. Now you um, mentioned mentoring. Was there anybody in your life who was a mentor? And if so, what did they what was maybe one key lesson that you learned from them? Well, I always want to go to the first real example of it. Um, and I grew up in a working class household. I left school at 15 and I did not believe that I had any brains in my head. And my behavior between 15 and, and 19 kind of bore that out a little bit. And I got pregnant when I was 19 and I had a, I wanted to give it up for adoption, her up for adoption when she was born. So I had a social worker at the time who, after several conversations, she said to me, I think you're pretty smart. And I was like, well, what do I know about anything? I left school at 15. She said, well, I think you should do an IQ test. So, you know, but this is back in the days, the 1970s at this point. And uh, so I said, okay, sure. So I went off and I did this IQ test. And when we got the results, she said, so what do you think? I said, well, I had no idea. What do you think? So she read the results and she said, you're pretty smart. I think you should go back to school. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time I was still pregnant and I said, yeah, yeah, right. That's a good idea. And of course did nothing with it. Uh, but eventually when I had the baby, I had her for, I couldn't give her up at birth and I had her for three months and there was an incident and I, I turned back to the social worker and I said, you gotta, gotta help out. You gotta take care of this baby. So anyways, after the baby was given up, um, then it became time to think about picking up the education. Mm. So I did, I went back to, to school got the, the fundamentals taken care of. And then I went on to do a college degree. And so she was the one who set the path for that. And, and that's always my, my first real mentoring, if you like, uh, to, to move forward. But again, it's that piece about having somebody there who can say to you, don't go this way, go that way. Mm -hmm. And paying attention to it, because there's a lot of people who will say, don't go this, go, go there. And then you do nothing. You know, so if you happen to meet a wise woman or man on the road, pay attention. <laughs> Good idea. And, and this person sounds like they had faith in you as well. They, they sense something that that you believe that you were not. And a good coach can do that. A good coach can say, I'm, I'm picking up strengths in these areas. And I think you should really think about incorporating those in your next move. So um, glad to hear that. Glad to hear there was a person there for you. Yeah, and I think there's been a few along the way that, you know, I've had great coaches, I've had great teachers. Um, you know, who were able to highlight for me my strengths and, and help me to move towards them. 
So what is next in making your life spectacular, Jacqueline? It's <laughs> uh, a good question, Jody. Um, I'm really passionate about the work I do. I mean, my whole mission in life is to change the world one person at a time. And so if my history, if my wisdom, if my development of content and other things that I'm doing can help anybody to move past their own blocks, to move into a place of, of bringing their entire self to the game, giving themselves permission and taking ownership of their authority and their, their skills and talents, if I can do that, that's really where my, the next part of my spectacular life is going. And I developed a whole lot of tools to help people do that. And if you want your ass kicked, come talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Okay. Well, um, how can people get in touch with you? How, uh, get more information. How can they do that? So if they go to the website, thefearlessfactoratwork.com, you'll find lots of information on programming. Uh, there's different levels of programming you can look at. Uh, there's also my, my, both my Fearless Factor books. The, the first one uh, is The Fearless Factor. The second one is The Fearless Factor at Work. And each of those books has what I call the deep dive section, where there's a a lot of questions that are based on self-reflection that allow you to really dig in and think about how's your life working for you so far and where do you think you want to be going so these are the tools that are available at this point but go to the website and you'll get a lot more information from from that great and and your website will be listed on my uh, episode notes at yourspectacularlife.com slash episodes. So uh, you can you can get that information as well. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for just a, a deep and real conversation with Jacqueline Wells. I appreciate you being here and telling people the truth. Well, thank you, Jody. It's, it's certainly my pleasure to be here. And I thank you for the invitation to talk about this. Absolutely. All right, Jacqueline, I appreciate your time and um, may your life continue to be spectacular. Thank you so very much. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.